0: This is In the Studio with Michael Card, and boy, do we have a program ahead for you mm. today. Michael, I uh, want you to you know take a deep breath. We have okay. a banjo player oh, in the room. This is going to be so good. A banjo maker uh, in the room, actually. Yeah, not only join. does
1: he play them, he builds them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. And so I, ex- I know how excited you are. Well,
1: I got my order in. I've ordered one from him. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, you started playing the banjo when?
0: Oh, it- elementary school okay yeah yeah we're not going to hear you play the banjo today though
1: no i thought it'd probably be better if
0: <laughs> if i left it in the case david dillard is here in the yeah. second half of the program today he's yeah. uh, he's getting ready to join us and it's gonna be fun to talk to him
1: it, it will be and 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 fun to talk to dave he's not just a banjo he's an incredible mandolin player he's an incredible musician but he's got a wonderful heart for ministry, and he's yeah. going to talk to yeah. us about uh, Iraq and, and the Kurds and uh, his, uh, his outreach to them.
0: In the first half of the program, though, we're going to pick up with part two of your teaching from the Hesed Conference, which was recorded in Ohio, mm-hmm. as uh, Joe Carlson, our producer, accompanied you there to the conference and recorded it so that we could bring it to our listeners here uh-huh. on the podcast. Uh, Pastor Dan Page put that together. Um, today, you're going to talk about a surprise coming in the New Testament. Yes, the big surprise. What's you know, the big surprise? All uh, right, you're not going to answer it now. Oh, well, well if you want me to. No, but, let, let's okay. let's wait until you well, begin the teaching. Let me change. set up this.
1: Story. Okay, what is the big surprise of the New Testament? The, the big surprise of the New Testament is when the Messiah comes, he's a servant. He's a slave. Okay. That's the big surprise. Okay. So, you so what's it. the big surprise of
0: the Hebrew Bible? That's what we're going to get to. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Here's a listener question that has come into us. First of all, this listener, Lynn. Says, thank you for your ministry. Your podcast and your work has meant a great deal to my husband and me, especially mm-hmm. your teachings on Hesed and Lament. Mm-hmm. This past year, it has helped give us a language to cry out to God and ears to hear his response. Mm-hmm. That's a great way to put it. Isn't it, it is. Yeah. 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 Uh, Lynn says, I've been studying more deeply the concept of Hesed Va v- Emet. Is that how I you said pronounce v- it? Va Emet. Mm-hmm. Hesed Emet, and I'm struck by how often it is linked to the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Could it be that this is what defines the glory of God and what makes it so incomprehensible to us as humans? What are your thoughts on this subject and the way Jesus fulfilled these qualities so that we could behold the glory of God? Wow, that's a great question.
1: Well, it, you know, we go back to this Exodus 34 where God tells Moses he is full of hesed emmet, and we translate that grace and truth, I mean, loving kindness, uh, you know, has it's translated, you know, almost 200 ways. Um, what I find that the, the second part of her question is how does Jesus incarnate that? If you go to John. I was just thinking about John myself. Yeah, yeah. John yeah. one fourteen. What does John say? Mm-hmm. He says, Jesus is... Full of grace and truth. Full of grace and truth. And I like to say, you know, John John writes in Greek, but he thinks in Hebrew. And when he says, you know, grace and, grace and truth in, in Greek... He's thinking Chesed Vahemet. He's saying that 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 person who revealed himself to Moses on on the mountain as one who is fundamentally kind Hmm. and compassionate and full. He shows Hesed he shows his loving kindness to thousands. That was was ultimately incarnate in his son. Hmm. Uh, Jesus, according to John, is full of grace and truth, even as his father.
0: Lynn, it's a great question. It Thank you great question. for asking. Thank you for listening to the podcast. Yeah. We're seeing statistics that many of our listeners are with us for the entire hour, which really encourages us.
1: That is encouraging. It's wonderful to be able to track that kind of detail. We yes. can see, you know, if you just listen to the first, you know, few minutes, or if you stay with us through the whole thing. Yeah. And, and, and you don't have
0: to listen all at once. No. The beauty of it, you can listen as you get in and out of the car. You know, yeah. pick it up next time.
1: Yeah, it's very convenient.
0: And you can always reach us as Lynn did with email in the studio at michaelcard.com, in the studio at michaelcard.com. Well, we'll get to that teaching from the Hesed Conference in just a moment as it was recorded. But let me ask you, you're always kind of a couple of steps ahead of us here in the podcast (laughs) because every time I get together with you, you're always, you know... I'm ex- under, you're onto the next thing.
1: Well, I'm excited about some new idea yeah, and I yeah. I thank God for that. I think that I Let's, thank God that there are ideas that still really get yeah, me. interested. when you stop
0: doing that, then I'll worry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you
1: <laughs> if you ask me what's new and I say nothing, then yeah, you start praying.
0: So tell us what you're working on in your little brain right now.
1: Well, one of the things that Hesed got me interested in is uh, well, I just I referred to it just a second ago, the idea John, he writes in Greek but he thinks in Hebrew the the difference between thinking in Greek and thinking in Hebrew that that uh, in in Hebrew you think in verbs in Greek you think in nouns that sort of thing and what that led me to is uh, asking the question uh, well so what does that mean in the life of Jesus so if Jesus thinks as a in his humanity he thinks in Hebrew or thinks in Aramaic what does that do so right now one of the th- one of the things I'm doing is is looking uh, through his his words mm-hmm. and tracking that and seeing if that's true or not cuz who knows it's a cool idea but maybe it's just not true huh. and uh i'm i'm, I'm trying to tr- to trace the whole that whole vein of Judaism uh, in in
0: his life, and when and, you do that, you're very serious about. It. I mean, you, when you walked into this session, you said you know something like seventeen books you've been reading. So far, I've read seventeen. So I've, far, I've got about
1: forty more, okay. and I've got them all lined up on my shelf, and I have a piece of cardboard when I when I you know finish one, I stick it, so I can see where the cardboard <laughs> is moving down the down the uh, down the shelves. But I, I I showed you a book I just read from yes. a, a Karaite Jew. That is a Jewish person. Who doesn't believe in the rabbis and the Talmud and all that stuff? He only believes in the Hebrew Bible.
0: Term I'd never heard before. Uh,
1: it, well, it's it, it was relatively new to me. I'd, I'd met Karaites in, uh, in in Jerusalem, but um, essentially Jesus is very much like them. You know, he rejects you know what the rabbis are teaching and all mm-hmm. of the traditions of men that he says they've added to the Torah. And it's so interesting trying to understand Jesus' life and thought to see, here's a here's a person who thinks like him.
0: So since you're doing that research now, somewhere down the road, we'll get into that here we will. on the podcast. We okay. will. Well, for those who don't know, we divide our program into commentary, community, and creativity. Mm-hmm. And we're going to go to the commentary section next. After you sing a song, this is called The Word. Shanoa Alamo is playing the violin to accompany you on this song, The Word.
2: it it new. When hearts are broken, it makes them
1: Because of I call it linguistic gravity, linguistic gravity, because hesed is such a massive word uh, in physics. Things with like planets or stars or black holes or whatever, whatever has a lot of mass draws things to it, right? Black holes even suck light in because they have so much gravitational pull. The sun, the gravitational pull of the sun is pulling the earth towards us, which is why we rotate around it. To, because the sun is so massive, it's what attracted the planets to it. Well, chesed has a, gravi- a linguistic gravity to it because it's such a dense word, it draws other words to it. Uh, truth is the word that it, it, it mainly attracts. Emmet is the word. The, the phrase that you hear over and over and over again is chesed va emet. Grace and truth is way, the way it's usually translated. And isn't it interesting that John in John 1.14 will see this. What does he say Jesus is full of? Grace and truth. It's right out of Exodus 34. It's, just, it's a precise echo. So, uh, yeah, truth is the one that happens uh, mostly. Uh, two, compassion or mercy. And that in Hebrew is racham or rachamim. The im is plural. Um, racham, compassion. Sometimes you'll read tender mercies. That's rachamim. They've pluralized it. Uh, it, it means, com- they almost said, the literal meaning. The, well, you know, I can't say that. Uh, but it, it, it's based on the root, the root of the word is recham, which is the word for womb. Compassion is related to the feeling that a mother has for the baby who's in her womb. And that's the first word that God uses to define himself in Exodus 34. Now that should blow your mind. Let me do a sidebar, not on the test. You know what the big surprise of the New Testament is? The big surprise of the New Testament is that when the Messiah comes, he's a slave. Nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming. You know, Jesus is washing Peter's feet and Peter says, you know, you ought not to be doing this. Right? It's like acting like a slave. That's the big surprise. You know what the big surprise of the Hebrew Bible is? That God is kind. Nobody saw that coming. Now, I understand he's holy. God is supposed to be holy. I can't touch the bottom of a mountain that he's on the top of. He's so holy. If if I let my sheep on that mountain, they're going to die. He's so holy. I can't get close. Okay, I get that. That he speaks the universe into existence. I get that. That's what God is like. That's what God does. But that he's kind? I don't think anybody saw that coming, but when he reveals himself to Moses, the first word out of his mouth is compassion and kindness and gentleness and full of Hesed. And he shows Hesed to a thousand, uh, to thousands, it says. We say tr- a thousand generations. So compassion, uh, r- racham, uh, rachamim. Uh, number three, covenant, uh, bereath. Uh, and sometimes you'll see it translated covenant of Hesed. I like to translate it covenant and Hesed, to, as two separate things. And here's an old idea. Uh, there's an old idea in scholarship. If you read any book before 1969, it will say in general, it will say this: because God is a god of, uh, because God makes covenants with us, out of His covenants come His Hesed. Okay. Then uh, a, a young scholar, uh, Catherine Sankenfeld, wrote a book on Hesed in 1969. And she said, no, that doesn't bear out with what the rest of Scripture says. And what she said was, and I think she's absolutely right, it's not that hesed comes out of covenant. Covenants come out of hesed. Because God is a God of hesed. He makes covenants with us. And we break them, and He keeps them. He keeps keeping them, and we keep breaking them. Now, that makes a lot of sense to me. So you're going to see covenant and hesed. That's one of the words that hesed draws to itself. Number four, mishpat, uh, justice. Uh, you know, what does God require of O man? Do do justice. Love hesed. Hesed and justice uh, come together a lot. Part of the revelation from Exodus 34:2. Uh, God first in, in the first part of the revelation he reveals himself as a God of compassion. In the second part of the revelation he says, "But I don't leave the guilty unpunished." And justice and mercy are perfect, perfectly come together in the person, in, in, in who God is. So justice is a big one. Faithfulness, uh, amunah. Another way to translate that, well, that, let's just leave it that way. Faithfulness, amunah. Goodness, tov. You know this word already, mazel tov. Tov means good. But as you would expect, in Hebrew, it means a lot more than Good. Uh, tov has a huge range of meaning. When, God, when, when Moses asked God, show me your glory, God says, I'm going to parade all of my goodness in front of you. So that's, uh, that's before the, the revelation in Exodus 34. Favor. You know, Moses found favor in the eyes of the Lord. And um, Mary sings about that in Luke, too. And then finally, righteousness, sadiq those are eight of the words that frequently come together. Uh, that that has with this huge weight of meaning. It's like, um, what we saw in the English translations. It's it's almost never one word. It's you know, uh, divine loyalty or covenant loyalty or you know, it's not just kindness. It's loving kindness or it, it just it pulls words into it and. I, I, I want to say, I'm going give, to give my, give my, my punchline away. Um, the only way it has to be, can be understood is when it's enfleshed, when it's lived out. That's the only way you'll ever understand it. Uh, God doesn't drop a book from the sky. God sends his son who, who incarnates this. But even in a human, from a human point of view, you really can't, you don't learn about hesed from coming to conferences like this, sorry, or even buying books uh, about it, I'm sorry to say. That's not how you learn about hesed. You learn about hesed when you, when you, when you witness it. And we're gonna start out tomorrow with this um, three or four videos of acts of hesed. And when you see it, you go, okay, all right, I get that. Okay, I get that. Um, the, let me tell you this first of all this is not fun doing gospels life of jesus that's fun this is a lot of work and as you can already see we're juggling a lot of things and we haven't even started looking at the scripture when we start looking at scripture passages we're in second chronicles and first samuel and judge i mean we're all over uh, the hebrew bible it gets fun when we finally get to Hesed in the life of jesus because we're back in the gospels where you know I, I call that fun meaningful uh, but, but, but it's it's important that we do this work, because this is going to leave you with two things that I know you need, because I know I needed it. It, it gives you a, a fresh basis for understanding the character of God, and I don't know about you, but I really needed that. And it gives you a, a new understanding of of what I what I call we need to develop uh, an instinct to do hesed. And when you, when you look at it and sort of start integrating and think and looking for it, uh, all of a sudden, I think there's this um, new desire to, 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 do, to do Hesed. Um, I'm currently doing research in the parking lot of Kroger. That's a grocery I go to every day. My wife works all day, so when I'm home, I do all the grocery shopping and cooking and all that stuff. And this has been, this has been my research project over the last four or five months. Uh, I look mostly for little old ladies who are unloading their groceries, and I'm very careful. I stand far away and I wait till they're done. And when they've emptied their grocery cart from a distance, I'll say, Can I take your cart back for you? Now, in the South, this is what we do, right? It's like opening the door for people. You do this. But I'm, my, my experiment has to do with I, I'm doing it as an act of Hesed, I'm doing it specifically to be kind. That's my intention. Well, I'm doing it with a def- different intentionality. And every time I go to the grocery, which is every day, I, I do this. okay So far, I've had two little old ladies burst into tears because they sense kind, this kindness. and, and, and that's me, anyway, that's my experience, experiment. And I, I was talking to somebody tell that story uh, two days ago in Nashville. And this, this lady said, the same thing happened to me yesterday. I took someone's card back and they started crying. So it's just kindness. So, there's, and you, so you may want to start your own research uh, project. You get a PhD and get, big, get a big grant. A lot of universities are <laughs> intensely interested in this sort of thing, so yeah. I think it's intentionality. I think on the outside, it can look just the same. I think you can do an act of kindness for a very selfish reason, which is basically most of the time why I do things kind, because it's all about me, because I'm that kind of person. That's why it's a big deal for me to try to act out of Hesit and just do something just to be kind. Um, Did I tell this? I don't know if I told the stories. My wife had her appendix out, and I was in the hospital with her. Went down to the gift shop. I was getting her candy or something. And there was a lady in front of me who had a bunch of stuff. And she was going to check out. And she looks over at me and she says, why don't you go in front of me? I go, oh, no, that's okay. You go ahead. She goes, no, really, I would like for you to go ahead. I go, oh, no, no, you know. <laughs> and then she said, why won't you let me be kind to you? And I started crying. So it's, it's in, it, intentionality, I think, has, has something to do with it. Jesus speaks of the cup of cold water. I mean I can give you a cup of cold water because you're thirsty or i'll I'll feel good about myself or whatever, but then I can give you a cup of cold water and demonstrate the full extent of God's love in doing that Jesus John says when Jesus washes their feet, he showed them the full extent of his love, the full extent of the love of God he showed them by washing their feet now you that can mean you know you can that can do come out of all sorts of things, just simple obedience or whatever, but Jesus was doing that to show them how much he loved them, so I think that's that's it's something like that again I can't give you definitive this this is it and it's not this and it's that but all all I can tell you is the more you see it in Scripture and the more you see it incarnated and uh, when you see it and all of a sudden there's a tear in your eye you go okay I get that okay you you start sort of developing a feel for it Just trying to think, well, it's like the lady I told you about who cleaned out the graves in Poland. I I sort of explained and and, and defined that for her, and she starts crying. She realized that she'd been doing it. She didn't even know she was doing it. It seems like it's got to be deeper than just deeds. Oh, it it is. There's an intentionality. That It's not the deeds at all. yeah. 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 But those are, that's a great question. That's the kind of stuff you got to start, start asking because you're going to engage. And, and I say in the book, Hess, it's not a word, it's a world. And I don't know, it's maybe you need to learn the geography of it. You need to learn to navigate in it. I don't know exactly what sort of language in, 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 that metaphor you know, is going to bring out. But uh, I, th- it, there are more facets, there are more dimensions to it um, it's, it's a huge idea. Another, another th- we won't talk about this too because we don't really have time. Uh, God is a God of Hesed, right? I mean, okay, God created us in the image of God. You know what that means? That part of our image bearing of God is that we have this vestigial piece in us that is Hesed. I mean, that's part of God's image in me, which is why I think we cry when we see Hesed. There's something in us that longs for that. And we see it. We see false motives and you feel kind of icky. You said also this sort of visceral, you want to be, it makes you sick. But then you see the real thing and there's a tear in your eye all of a sudden. Well, I think because my heart, God created my heart, I think my heart resonates when I, when I experience Hesed. That's why little old ladies cry when I take their, their cart back for them. There's just something that in me and you that was created to live in the, in this context. And and it's and it's the I think the defining characteristic of God. And so we, we get in we get in touch with it and I think we know God better.
0: song to wrap up the first half of our session. We've just heard Michael's teaching on Hesed, but coming up we'll meet a guest who's a living example of God's kindness. We're so glad when listeners share their comments with us. Could you help us get the word out about this program by posting a review of our podcast? And if you want to share what you found on this podcast with a friend, we've made accessing this program as easy as possible. The program audio is updated each week on our website, and we keep several sessions available with all the program details for you to follow up. Also, you can subscribe directly to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and now Spotify. Go to the links at michaelcard.com. Coming up, some conversation of music you won't want to miss when Dave Dillard and our friend Jeff Taylor join us here in the studio with Michael Card. Next week, join us for a classic in the studio with Michael Card. We break out of the four walls of Moland for an exciting audio journal from Cuba. In August 2004, Michael and several of the staff had the opportunity to meet and minister to believers in the island nation of Cuba. Join us as we hear conversations and music recorded on location, reflecting the vibrancy and sincerity of believers who experience the power of God. Hear the excitement, feel the connection at michaelcard.com. in the studio with michael card and some friends who have joined us and we're hearing this as you hear it leaning on the everlasting arm Huh, Mike? Oh,
1: and what a combination! What an interesting combination—two of the most maligned instruments
0: <laughs> brought together, right? I mean, That's Dave Dillard on banjo, yes, and our friend Jeff Good Taylor with the pump organ over in the corner, and he he refuses to speak on the program today. Dave Dillard playing an instrument that he built as well. Okay, now yeah. you need to educate. We're going to talk about that. Okay, first of all, I know she didn't bring your banjo into the studio. No, right? I would not do. That. I would not presume. <laughs> Dave, help us to know you and this banjo
3: that you brought in here. Yeah, so this is a banjo I built for my friend Jeff over here, who's at the Pump Organ, who's not allowed to speak today. Um, <laughs> we, we put a muzzle on Jeff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, I love building banjos. It's um, A few years ago, uh, I fell in love with the sound of an old-time banjo. I'd played bluegrass banjo back in high school. When I got to college, I found out it wasn't such a welcomed instrument and sort of yeah. took the— took a 30 years in the closet with the banjo. But a few <laughs> years ago, I just rediscovered the sound of the old-time open back banjo and fell in love with the sound of it. And as I started playing, I just... Um, it took a while to learn to play. If you play three-finger style and you go back to playing... Uh, try to play Clawhammer style, it's t- like trying to ride a bicycle backwards. It uh-huh. really,
0: okay. really took some rethinking. Now you're throwing
3: terms around that I I might well, get some. I don't hey, get show them. Us, so. Show yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, show us. So there's... um Earl Scruggs made the three-finger style banjo famous, which is uh, a picking, where you use picks on the fingers and pull up against the strings, so like... And then the um, old-timer claw hammer style banjo is, uh, like it sounds. the hand is sort of stuck in the shape of a claw and you hit the strings on a downstroke. It's more like Grandpa Jones style or uh Uncle Dave Macon, but it's a style that's really coming back in popularity. So it's more of a And you keep hitting that fifth string as a drone, sort of like a bagpipe kind of drone in the background. So different styles
0: of playing. And you mentioned open back, so there's no there's no back side to that banjo. There's no back on the banjo. What, what does that do? Well, it's the way uh, banjos were
3: originally built. Are or were built for a season. The close the resonator back banjos, the ones with the back on it, and have a heavy metal tone ringer designed to push the music way out into an audience way out into a crowd uh use more in bluegrass style music and an open back banjo it sort of sort of hovers right there with you It sort of stays close into you and it's uh you can play either style of music on either instrument mm-hmm. uh but one's a little bit more suited to a particular style than the other
1: yeah yeah it's a must it's a softer sound I don't, and it's not just softer it's mel it's more mellow I don't know um mm-hmm. but it's a be- it's a beautiful sound uh, uh, uh as, a, as opposed to the five-string, which can get really loud. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So I was just struck with the
3: sound, and as I um, looked at my Chinese-made banjo and was trying to get a little better tone out of it and began to understand there's different tone rings, there's goat skins, there's calf skins, there's 10-inch, 11-inch fretless, half fretless, fret. Short scale, long scale, a lot of variations. I wanted to try them all, and my wife wasn't going to let me buy that many banjos. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured uh, I just got put in my head and heart to to build one. And I've never studied or looked at anything so hard in my life, and I just love it. I didn't know I could do this with How many my hands. have
1: you
3: built? Uh, 17 or 18 now, and they're being wow. pretty well received by a handful of people. So I'm excited about it.
1: I yeah. put my order in today. Oh, uh-huh.
3: yeah. yeah. But I think it'd been easier to buy 17 or 18 of my own banjos than uh, outfit a wood shop. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs>
3: but, no, it's been it's been a real treat. I just um, I've learned a lot. One of the main things I've learned is that um, I've learned to appreciate mistakes. Hmm. You know, if you build something right, if it comes out right and turns out right, you don't really recognize it. You don't know. Well, this turned out right, and boy, what did I do that made this turn out right? If you do something wrong, you learn a lesson. And hmm. You're like, I'm not going to do this again. Well, that'll preach. That's a parable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it was. I've And that spilled over into a lot of areas of my life as well. So now I look at a mistake as not defeat. A mistake is, all right, that's a step forward. It hurts, but you learn it and you move on to the next step. So I built my wife a banjo for our anniversary. And I think I told Jeff I tried 87 different ways (laughs) to get the inlay of our wedding ring uh, on the 12th fret. Oh. It ended up on the 11th, but it looks okay. Uh And, um, yeah, wow. you just
1: keep trying and trying, Amazing. and you learn. Yeah. Wow. And you use uh, all local wood, right? Yeah, walnut when I can, and... I use
3: walnut uh, or cherry from here in Middle Tennessee, Nashville area. I've got some from Creve Hall neighborhood and some from Woodlawn area. So I have uh, uh, some walnut that was close to Radnor Lake, but not in Radnor Lake Preserve. Mm-hmm. And i uh, <laughs> excited to use those local woods. And I've got some persimmon to use for fingerboards. And the goat skins come from East Tennessee,
1: So they're even Tennessee goats. I don't know. That's pretty cool. Oh, that's cool. That's
0: cool. Yeah. Well, what a craft. My goodness. All right. I'm going to make an executive decision to remove the muzzle from Jeff because he's the owner of the banjo you're holding and playing, right, Dave? Yeah. I think it's one of the – I love this banjo.
3: it's the
4: best one you've made yet. Yeah. And and my friend Mike Snyder, uh, who plays on the Opry, said said that even. He's made two for Mike Snyder and they get played on the Opry every time Mike's on. He's playing one of his 13-inch banjos, which are quite hard to build because you can't buy hoops or anything. He has to make and braise the hoop and all that. Wow. He's, I'm, I'm crazy about his work. And I, to be honest with you, the first... Ba- I built a banjo with him under his tutelage, and my main reason for wanting to build a banjo, other than I loved open back banjo, is I just wanted to spend more time around Dave because I saw him as somebody who I wanted to be more like, and and I wanted to learn from not just about banjos, but about life. What a high compliment. Mm, and there's more great. to
0: this man than building banjos, which we're going to learn about, Mike. And we're going to talk about
1: how all these different pieces come together you know mistakes you know um building things spending time together ministry i mean all, the lord kind of pulls all that together and integrates all of that i mean he uses
0: i mean yeah. he uses everything before we talk anymore let's hear some more of this banjo uh you got you got a song you want you're thinking of for your dave you know it's it's really strange maybe as
3: musician might understand this. sometimes i wake up in the morning there's a song that's huh. in my head and uh I reach for a banjo and pull it out a banjo it's easy to get a melody out of a banjo yes and I think what it is easy for you guys (laughs) well nobody hears a banjo and doesn't have an emotion when they hear it I mean you know that's a banjo you're not like was that a ukulele or mandolin you know I've dealt with that for years but (laughs) that's a banjo and chances are you hear a banjo you're gonna smile Mm -hmm. or it's gonna make you think of something older than yourself or Mm -hmm. a different time and uh, I just love what it can do Uh, here's a a melody I woke up with one day in my head. I just thought they'd make a good national anthem for a small country that didn't have one. <laughs> so.
1: I was just wanted you want. To, would you like some words for that?
3: Yes. Yeah. Let's yeah, love some
1: yeah, words. Well, for that. Collaboration going on here. Let's whip up here. some words for that. Yeah.
0: Beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, you and Jeff <sighs> have worked on something called Clawhammer Hymns. It's a CD, but it's also uh, what would you call this? Instructional? Uh... Yeah, that's banjo tablature. It's a secret
1: code
3: that banjo players can use <laughs> okay. to uh, learn a song. I'm if, actually holding this. The secret the code. The secret code oh. is like the what's that? The Rosetta Stone.
1: It's a somewhat painful
4: initiation <laughs> into the into the league of banjo players. But uh, yeah. all right, Jeff, you had a hand in this too. I did. Uh, I I wrote the tablature for it. I learned a tablature program, which was interesting for me, uh, old man learning a new trick. Uh, and uh, it, 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 it is a fascinating thing. At first, when I saw tablature, I thought, well, that's silly. I read music. Yeah. But on a fretted instrument, and Mike knows this very well, and, and Dave, uh, on a fretted instrument... you can find a note in several places on several strings. When I play this note on the pump organ, there's only one place that exists. That's middle C. And by gum, you better have your hand there. But... You can find that note in probably three or four places on the banjo. Huh. So the tablature actually tells you what string to play that note and what finger to use. Ah, You know, what fret to be on, number 10 or number 6. We're
0: going to have to put information about this in our program notes. Yes.
4: Yeah, yeah.
1: and by the way, all of this is available. If you go to our website, there'll be links to all of your, yeah. you know,
0: all of your websites yeah. and you can get the, the CD and the book. But uh, I, I don't, think that I'm going to learn how to play the banjo at my age but I can enjoy the CD you comes, can I can sing along with these hymns right you can they're an easy to sing along keys and, and I think it's probably the finest Clawhammer
3: banjo vintage pump organ album of all <laughs> <whole> year <laughs> wow, wow. It's,
5: it's,
4: the old, it's the only one <laughs> yeah. is what he's saying well <laughs> both are true <laughs> both are
0: true uh, we hinted earlier Mike that there's a lot more to Dave's life than banjo making yes uh, can we talk about that yeah, let's do talk about that
1: because at some point you, you were drawn to missions and drawn to a, a particular community. So yes. Tell us about that,
3: the yeah. Kurds. I think we may have been going to church together at the time. We were in a small church plant that was out of Christ Community Church mm-hmm. in uh, Green Hills area. And the pastor there, his name was Bill Delvo. And Bill really uh, challenged us as a church to reach out to our unchurched friends and to reach out to international students. But he said, we as a church can pray for uh, some corner of the world— that doesn't have a church, and so we began praying uh, for the Kurdish people and for the Kurdish people in Iraq. And we would meet weekly, you know, on Wednesdays and Thursdays and Sundays, and we would um, gather and pray. and if you remember back, I think about this was eighty eight eighty nine ninety in ninety one the Gulf War broke out, and the Kurdish people wound up on the news. there was nothing about them that was known beforehand. You mm-hmm. couldn't even find a book at the library on them and the Internet was, I don't even know if there was the Internet at the time, probably not. I
1: think there was. So
3: there wasn't much information, but then on the news every night, there were the Kurdish people. Uh, they had been encouraged to rise up and overthrow Saddam in Iraq, and they tried to do that and were sort of left on their own and um, had to flee to the mountains of Turkey to get away from Saddam and his helicopters and his weapons. And as they were freezing in Turkey, the U.S. sort of stepped in and said, look, this is a bad situation. It's on the news every night, so it's... Um, Established a no-fly zone in Northern Iraq, which opened up that whole part of the world uh, to outside people. And then brought a lot of the families out of the camps in Turkey and resettled a bunch of them in Nashville. So we got a call one day on the phone. Said, um, there are some Kurdish families arriving in Nashville at the airport next week. Would your church like to sponsor one of the families? And we just went, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> and that's where we started. have been praying, you know. Yeah, so... That year, I think about 30 families came, or 30 people came in October by the end of the year. There were maybe 800 families. A year later, 2,000, I think, um, now, I don't know if there's twenty or 30,000 Kurds in Nashville, but it's the largest population of Kurdish people outside, well, in North America, for sure. Mm-hmm. There's large communities in Europe, but yeah. So it yeah. was an interesting opportunity to make uh, new friends, uh,
0: delightful friends. An uh, example of you being an answer to your own prayer. Probably so, yeah. yes, yes, yeah. So, practically speaking, what does that mean? What are you able to do as a church?
3: Well, our church, um, shortly thereafter, a lot of the people in our church were in medical work or doctors or different things and went different ways. So, the church sort of um, fizzled out, but we stayed in contact with our new friends from Iraq and uh, eventually joined up with a ministry that's called Servant Group International. And we've been having um, full-time teams in Iraq now for 25, 26 years. Have you gone? Yeah, we lived in Iraq for a season. I've gone. I don't oh, know I how many know times that. I've gone to Iraq. Really, um, a lot. Um, and so I've been direct. I was director of our organization for the last fifteen years or so, and just this year stepped aside and, and letting a younger person uh, come up and lead it. And I'm loving that. I just uh-huh. love being on the the support person behind the scenes. I got to ask:
0: so. Did you introduce the banjo to the Kurds? <laughs>
3: Musically, you know, the scales are different. It <laughs> okay. I've tried a few times to share a little music, but it hasn't worked so well. But we've helped start schools in Iraq after, the after, I think we've had teams there through four wars now. We just lose track of how many wars there's so been. So important. And then uh, working with uh, refugees here in Middle Tennessee, we have a very large refugee population in Nashville. And uh, just providing opportunities. What we really like to do is give normal people in the church, like we were and like we are, normal people an opportunity to meet and befriend a refugee or a muslim and find out they don't bite you know the hardest thing you can ever say is hello most people won't even do that you know what's your name where are you from and just um be the hope and light of christ our neighbors around us that have come from very very tough situations you couldn't even imagine what they come out of it's obvious that you've been helpful to them how have they helped you I think just understanding a lot in uh, terms of relationship. A, um, friendship is more important than a to-do list. Visiting is more important than an appointment. Mm. Um, conversations, you know, you went in a conversation and say, I got to go, I have an appointment at this time. You know, just understanding hospitality is huge. I think also understanding more about my own faith, um, after working 25-30 years among Muslims, um, there's a lot of times people are just sort of scared. Oh, they know everything about their religion, and they know everything about our religion, and I wouldn't dare talk to them like that. Um, most of my Muslim friends are very shocked if you don't want to talk about God. For one thing, it's an important part of their life. But also, just to understand that, you know, if you were to walk down to the Kroger the grocery store down the street here, and if you had the gumption to ask somebody, um, do you believe in God? What would they answer?
0: Mm.
3: What would they say?
1: You mean anyone off yeah. the street? Yeah. Oh, they're going to say yes. Sure, yeah. they're going to say yes.
3: And if you had the gumption say, so um, do you believe in heaven? What would they
1: say? Oh, it's going to be in Tennessee. It's going to be yes.
3: Yes. Yeah. All right. Do you think you'll go to heaven when you die? Mm-hmm. Pause. Well, what would they say? Yeah. And why? Because I've been a good person, probably. Okay. So that is Islam. It's wow. just Islam legis- as Islam validates it. It's no different. It's no different. You're just going to be better than the next person, live a good life. You want to have a peaceful life. You don't want to go terrorize the world. You know that's just a small percentage, but it's a it's a fake that says, um, be better than the person next to you, and it might work out for you. Mm. And that's not hope. So, no. so it's helped me understand more about what. Where we come from as well.
1: You lay this burden on people and you won't lift a finger to help them, Jesus would say. Trying to be good enough. Yeah.
3: So I find that a, um, I've learned a lot about myself, learned a lot about Southern culture. You want to learn about Southern culture? <laughs> Make some Muslim friends. No, <laughs> the hospitality, the generosity, um, the honest, sincere, and lifelong, unending friendships are
0: amazing. And there's a lot we can learn from their cultures. That's really interesting. I'm mm-hmm. so glad you came and talked about this here today in addition to the music. Um, we've got a few minutes left. Should we ask for another song from, from Jeff and Dave here? Dave Dillard with the banjo, Jeff Taylor and the pump organ. Jeff, by the way, you've done really well over there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Times of I sung that I'm sure you have too, Mike, mm-hmm. uh, through the years.
1: Yeah, thanks, guys, for bringing this whole world—not just your instruments, but the, this whole world—to us.
0: Yeah, and uh, God bless you guys. By the way, uh, what we just heard, "Just as I Am," is on the the CD Clawhammer Hymns from Dave and from Jeff. So, thanks for letting us know about that. Information will be on, in our program notes and on our website. So Thank we'll you. Do it. Okay. Thank you. All right. Now, I've saved yet a couple of minutes here, so I think we ought to ask the guys to. To finish our segment for us with a with another hymn, what do you think? You got anything to up your sleeve? You're wearing a short sleeve shirt, I know, but
1: uh, they can do this all day. What Tis so about? sweet.
0: so nice thank you dave thank you jeff and my jaw is dropping listening to that
1: michael what a wonderful the 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 way the two those two instruments blend the timbre of the, of the sounds of those two instruments i've yeah. i've never heard anything blend like that
0: that banjo that dave made and yes. that simple little pump organ that mm-hmm. jeff was playing it's it's an amazing thing well yeah. There's always a, a challenge to us when we go through the program together, and at least there is to me. Yeah, and I think for listeners as well. What What are your thoughts as we kind of wrap up?
1: Well, for me, I, I see a, a, a theme running all the way through this. I mean, going back to the the, the teaching on Hesed, and you know, it, it's it's great to read books about Hesed, but unfortunately, you don't really learn about Hesed by reading books about it. Now, that doesn't go. You know, that's a secret between you and me. I don't want that to <laughs> okay, leave nobody, this room. Yeah, okay. I don't want anybody to know that. Uh, a little late, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> no, the, I think, you know, God doesn't drop a book from the sky if it's just a matter of information. What does he do? He comes to us in Jesus. He it, it becomes, The word becomes flesh, mm-hmm. right, incarnated. And the way you learn about hesed is to see it lived out. Yeah. And uh, and we've seen that in in Dave's ministry. Yeah, I was just thinking the same
0: thing. Right. Yes. Yeah.
1: He, here's this guy. I mean, he's 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 a, a a successful musician. He makes a good living. He's got a, his you know everything's all he's got a church that he goes to that he likes. Right. Why does he want to get involved with a bunch of hurting people who who are needy? Right. Mm-hmm. The Kurd the Kurdish community and 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 then go to Iraq yeah. to to uh, to love up on them. Well, I'll tell you why. Because his his heart's been transformed by the God of Hesed. And he's going to show that kind of kindness. And what does he do? He has conversations. He he opens the door of his life to people who aren't like him, just like Jesus opened the door of his life to us. And uh, yeah, I learned a lot about Hesed from hanging out with Dave Dillard and and Jeff Taylor. Those they're both very kind kind men. So yeah, it has to be it has to be incarnate to to
0: really be understood. Thank you, Michael. I know I've been challenged by what we've heard today, and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Please take a moment and pass along your comments or post a review of this podcast. On our website, you'll find the links to our guests, including David and Jeff's CD. You can access Michael's weekly blog, learn about his conference ministry, and other ways to expand on what you've heard in this session. We're found at michaelcard.com. We hope you'll join us next week as we open our session archives and present a classic broadcast recorded at the Molen Studio. Now for all of us on the team, including producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepard. Thanks for listening to In the Studio with Michael Carr.